Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are, and we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and of course, those amazing relationships, and hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. So, do you ever wonder about the future of sex? Is it going to be run by sex tech? sex robots, or super vibrators? Are you ready for the incredible changes that are on their way in the next few decades or few years that will impact their sex lives? Well, on today's show, Future of Sex, we're going to be discussing the roles of apps, websites, robots, and virtual reality as they continue to expand at the intersection of technology and sexuality. The possibilities are infinite, awe-inspiring, and unknown. And to lead this discussion, we are so excited to introduce our guest today, Bryony Cole. Bryony is the world's leading authority on sex tech. Since launching the top-rated podcast, Future of Sex, Bryony has been on stages across the world, defining the direction of sex tech for governments, technology, and entertainment companies. So Bryony, it's been a bit that we've been trying to get you on our show. You are a woman who travels the world who cannot be nailed down, but we have you here today. Thank you so much for putting some time aside and welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on the show and to meet you guys and yeah, be in the same virtual place at the same time. <laughs> that is fun. So, well, let's just dive right into it. Why don't you tell us about how you got into this industry? Great, yeah. So the sex tech industry I really stumbled upon um, when I was doing some research on the future of nightlife and I interviewed artists, technologists and musicians across the US about what the future of nightlife looked like. And these two guys in LA were the quintessential tech geeks. They were making a, a product in their garage. So they were making a virtual reality scent releaser. We put on the virtual reality headset and it would release different smells according to what you were seeing on screen. And of course, they were trying to simulate being in a hot tub with three supermodels. Wow. Which would be so interesting if it wasn't also terrifying that when I said to them, well, what's the future of nightlife? Are you ever going to go out again? And they said, well, why would we? And we can just sit on the couch and be in a hot tub with three supermodels in VR. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to completely change the way we fall in love, the way we date, um, the way we get married and have relationships. And what is this technology? And I soon found out this is in fact the sex tech industry and it's got much broader applications than just virtual reality. But that was where I really initially dipped my toes in and the curiosity and the, the grain and beginnings of the podcast started with that very first interview. Now, now, if I go back and read a little bit about you, um, you're definitely not from Brooklyn, New York, where you are residing right now. Your your career started um, on the um, bottom side of the world. That's right, down under. So I, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia, and spent 
majority of my childhood, uh, you know, early adult life there and moved to New York six years ago. And I moved with a tech company. So my background has always been in technology and being the translator between the, you know, the geeks that are designing the technology and the people that are using them. So it sort of was a strange way to end up, but I think the most fascinating industry in technology of all. So it was your curiosity that really got you into this side of the this tech by being sex tech. But can you explain to us exactly what is sex tech? Yeah, so sex tech, the, the most common definition of sex tech is any technology designed to enhance sexuality. So that could mean anything under that umbrella of sexuality. I think the first things we think of are pleasure and um, adult entertainment. But under that sexuality umbrella, we also have sex education, sexual health, um, assault reporting apps, crime and violence reporting, um, gender identity. The list really goes on and on. And if we just sort of cross-pollinate that with any technology, and especially emerging technologies like virtual reality, artificial intelligence, even right down to dating apps um, and as simple as websites can still be considered sex tech. But that's, I think, the big myth is sex tech is just VR porn, but in fact, it's so much more. But doesn't sex tech also include all the um, fitness apps that help you get more fit and have better sex? And then there's the health and wellness side. And it, it, like you were saying earlier, it, it, isn't it more than just that porn? What, what are the other pieces yeah. of it? Yeah, so I think some really interesting applications are coming out of um, the education space. Even though it doesn't have as much money as the porn industry, it's definitely something that's a necessity. And you know, quite often we think about how porn has become the default sex education for so many of us these days. But um, thinking about new applications for sex education, there are a range of different chatbots, which are like automatic chatbots that kids can write into on Facebook that will give them sex education, health education. I think the most interesting application of sex education for adults is through Bedoink VR, who have a virtual sexology program where you have a headset and you essentially go to a course, an intimate course, which is you know hosted by a porn star but designed by a sex therapist and will take you through a series of exercises that will make you a better lover. So for men... A lot of the, the course is to do with premature ejaculation and for women it's about discovering their body and doing that in the safety of your own home, in the privacy of your own home or wherever you would like really, but um, with a virtual teacher but as you put on that headset. But guided by a professional, therefore it's not just watching pornography and trying to get the best tips from that. You actually have a real professor or a teacher who's got all the right information for you in the privacy of your own home. Wow, that sounds amazing. But is this actually available already? It is, yeah. So if you go to virtualsexology.com, you can see the programs there. I believe they're still um, free as long as you have a headset that we're giving away Google Cardboard headsets for a while and those headsets are really cheap, you know, they'll probably be about 10 to $20 and you, if you have a, a smartphone, you can sort of put this phone inside the, the headset and it will play the content for you. So it's a very low-end VR experience, but it's still, you can see when you do it, you can see the potential of where these things might go in the next five to 10 years. 
I'm already at awe just hearing this because this is the first time I've ever heard of this type of teaching. And it's crazy that we can do this with our smartphone. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's only going to get better and and our phones are only going to get smarter and some people say our phones are going to completely go away and maybe we will just have glasses or, you know, the other big industry here is robotics and artificial intelligence and thinking about, well, okay, what if we moved away from screens and we actually had a robot inside our house that could teach us to be a better lover. Wow. wow. Very cool. Very so cool. we know we know the sex toy industry is like a hundred billion dollar industry and it's probably going to become a hundred gazillion dollar industry eventually. Mm-hmm. This VR and, and uh, sex, tech. sex tech industry that you're immersed in and working with, how large of an industry is that? Yeah, so, you know, it's definitely creeping up there. There's various reports out there the value of $30 billion as an industry. So that's looking over VR, that's looking over robotics, teledesonics, which is a really fun word to say, um, and of course the vibrator industry as well. So there's a whole heap of technology lumped into that, but at the moment it's valued at $30 billion. And what kind of growth are we expecting over the next decades? Some say the growth is faster than the drone industry, which is a rate of 30% year on year. Um, which is quite fast. But the thing about this, Carol and David, is it it is so hard to measure because so many of these innovations are happening at the fray or the emerging sort of space where there isn't money. There are very smart people creating these things, but they may not necessarily have access to capital. And it takes a little while to get into the mainstream culture because not everyone has a VR headset, you know, Buying a robot is cost prohibitive. It goes anywhere from $5,000 up to whatever you want. And these sorts of technologies, they're not in our homes yet, but perhaps in 10 years' time, they will be, and that's when this market will really skyrocket. But for now, when we look at these things, we look at like the value of dating apps and apps and things that are accessible to most people every day. And, and just speaking of that, there's so much talk and, and on the news about how women should be and are getting involved in the sex tech because it is a lot of um, a lot of the products are actually targeted at women. Um, have you seen the women's role in advancing sex tech? Has, has it changed over the years? Yeah, you know, it's been fascinating to be part of this women of sex tech community, which really originated in New York. There was about 30 people when I joined three years ago. Um, and we would sit in Cindy Gallup's apartment and all of us had some sort of business or, you know, interest in sex tech. And from there, it's grown over the past couple of years to 250 members globally. New York very much still the hub, um, which is really important, I think, for an industry that is so taboo to have a hub. So everyone's fighting against similar things. A big, a big challenge in this industry is obviously marketing. Instagram, Facebook won't allow any posts that are sexually explicit in nature. Um, you know, advertising on the subway is a no-go, especially if there's any valid images, you know. And all these things, I think, that traditionally entrepreneurs, if you're going to start a small business, is sort of a no-brainer. Um, you know, the, the social media ads, but also just opening a bank account and finding a payment processor and all those sorts of things that we take for granted in the, I guess, the normal quote-unquote, business world are a lot harder. And that's why um, the sex tech community is so important. And I think women in sex tech bring a unique perspective and that 
you know, if they're designing the toys they make, they're, they're, they actually have real experience in them and they're also designing different products that are away from the male gaze just because they're a different gender. And so I think that's so important and having that support in a taboo industry, particularly where it's not that common for women to be involved in, has been incredible and has really bolstered the growth and the interest in sex tech in general. That's very interesting. And the, the, the big point that you brought up earlier is how hard it is for people and women and companies in general who are coming up with these innovative products, which I believe um, are going to make people's couple and relationships better and stronger and people have better and stronger sex. And we had Cindy Gallup on our show, and she's an amazing person, and her brand, Make Love Not Porn, um, is, is so relevant out there. And, you know, she she mentioned this, this one line, which is, if people spent the same amount of time teaching their children manners when it comes to sexuality and treating people and women and just being nice out there and we spent that time alongside teaching table manners and dressing and clothes that this world would be a better place and that that statement she made just stuck with me for so long and uh, Carol and I um, have now launched our new website thesexylifestyle.com and the main purpose of it is to allow people who are in the sex tech industry, in the sexuality industry, in the relationship industry, to put up their products, their services, their how-to videos, everything uncensored and let the world see it. And with our association with Voice America, where our radio network resides, and a couple of our large partners that we have, some of them are the largest dating sites in the world, we are gonna have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of pieces of traffic a month on our website to allow these people who can't afford it to put up their products for free. Like you said, the social media is not allowing that type of um, uh, yeah. a connection with the people out there. So this platform is going to be a good place to advertise and to push products forward. But it's credible information. It's like a mini Google right here on the website that's got all credible information. <laughs> yeah, It's so important and so needed in this industry at the moment. Now, you actually have a very exciting event coming up next weekend, um, which uh, you can <laughs> tell us all about. That's right. Yeah, we are running the second one in New York, a sex tech hackathon. We've run one in Asia earlier this year and one in Australia. This will be the third one for the year. It's happening in Brooklyn next weekend. And the sex tech hackathon is basically an innovation jam that's held over a weekend. We have about 100 participants that come along and work on various challenges around sexuality and aim to solve them through technology. So they basically spin up little businesses and they come as strangers and form teams and spin up these little businesses and by Sunday afternoon they're pitching, they win prize money and mentorship and all sorts of things for these businesses they've built in a weekend that aim to solve Challenges like how do we reinvent sex education for teenage girls or how do we make condoms cool again? How do we provide more access to sexual expression for people with disabilities? So we give them these big challenges, usually three to five, and then and then let them hack away, as they say, which is a really common sort of term and um, event in the broader technology world, but sex tech hackathons aren't that common. So we're paving the way with, with these ones, and it's been very interesting what's come out of them. And how do you get people not only to participate, but then to hear about the results that come out of them? 
Well, uh, the media are pretty interested. <laughs> They've never heard of sex tech hackathons before, so we have that going for us. And we have companies like Vice come along and film them and create little vignette stories. But the main thing is we want these um, outcomes, these businesses that are building a weekend to carry forward and to not just be something that's built in a weekend and then sort of forgotten about, but something that potentially could be a business that could raise money, that could go on to change um, the sex tech world and the sex industry more broadly. So after that weekend, the talent we identify, the winners and people that have got really interesting ideas, and we put them in this 10-week program called a Sex Tech Accelerator, and we take that idea that maybe went from a whiteboard to a prototype or a PowerPoint deck into something that actually is a fully functioning site that they can release into the world or go and pitch at competitions and raise money for or build an app um, properly over you know, 90 days almost. Very cool. Well, we unfortunately aren't able to join you at your uh, hackathon in New York, but we are going to see you at the Sex Expo September 22 and 23 again in Brooklyn. And I think we're going to sit down and chat and uh, talk about how we can uh, work closer together and hopefully give some uh, visibility to some of the people that you're working with. And, you know, again, just brainstorm. It's going to be a great event and uh, admission is free. So if anybody wants to join, just go to the sexexpo.com and uh, come see us there. We're going to be broadcasting live. Can't wait to see you. all the good things happening in Brooklyn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we are chatting with Brian Nicole, writer, producer, and CEO of Future of Sex. After this short break, we're going to continue our discussion about sex tech, robots, and virtual reality. Stay tuned. We'll be Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're chatting with the amazing Bryony Cole, writer, producer and CEO of Future of Sex. You know, we've seen several news reports on TV about the emergence of sex robots and the people who are willing to pay thousands of dollars to own them. But I guess we have to ask the question, is it really possible to have a relationship with a sex robot? I love this question so much because it is terrifying for most of us to think about the fact that 
if that's even possible to have a relationship with a sex robot, not because we're coming from the perspective of, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be great if I could have a robot girlfriend or boyfriend, that this idea that we might eventually be replaced is scary, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of fear around this topic, especially in the media of late. We even have the campaign against sex robots, which is originated in the UK, which is a very strong activist group that is very against, obviously, sex robots and, and argues that they should have their own rights and all these sorts of things. And from what I've seen, and I've worked with some of the top um, sex robots that are available on the market today, Real Dolls, which was designed by Matt McMullen 20 years ago and now has partnered with a technology company to become Real Botics. So that's where they add artificial intelligence into the heads of these dolls and robots. They essentially become robots because they're no longer just mannequins. They're things that can talk to you. They can remember your pizza order. There's 12 different programmable personality types. And this is where we start to go, uh-oh, this makes me feel a bit unsettled. Could this be something that could, you know, deliver the needs to someone, you know, fulfill someone's needs rather than just a, a blow-up doll. And the, the conclusion is that there is no conclusion yet. We haven't had enough time to do enough studies on it. But what we have seen in other industries that are adjacent because they're using robotics and maybe human-like qualities is it could be entirely possible. And the examples I'll give you are two very different ones. One is in the military where they use bomb disposal um, robots that essentially go and um, dispose of bombs and hazards in front of the Marines. And what's happened with those robots when they don't dispose of the bomb correctly and they blow up themselves, Marines have been known to hold funerals for these robots and you know crying and a lot of human emotions coming out around something that is essentially a piece of technology. And so that is one really interesting example where people have felt close to a robot. Obviously, that's a robot that's potentially saving their life. Um, and then the other example is in nursing homes in Japan. Um, with patients with Alzheimer's, they use a furry seal-like robot. So it's almost like a teddy, um, but it responds to touch and it responds to you know, being stimulated, fed and cared for. And what's been shown is when these patients are given paro, the very seal, to care and look after, their feelings of contentment skyrocket. They feel connected. They feel a sense of love towards, again, what is essentially a piece of technology. So these technologies aren't talking to us yet, um, but there's certainly the capability there and, and with robotics, the doll can talk to you. It's somewhat clunky at the moment, so it doesn't feel like this could ever be a relationship or a real thing. But I think in the future, we've seen, we've seen you know, glimpses of the fact that, yes, we tend to anthropomorphize technology. We tend to think, oh, my goodness, like, let me care for this thing, even if it is just, you know, like a couple of um, parts and some wires and some microchips. So we do have the potential for that, and we tend to tend toward that, whether or not that will tend into an actual ongoing relationship like we would have with a boyfriend or girlfriend. I have a big question mark on that and our needs ultimately being towards being with another human, I think, at the core, at the very core of who we are. I guess, I guess one of the questions is if you're dating or going out with a robot, 
What happens when you break up with them? <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> the real feelings. <laughs> Do they chase them. you forever? Do they like hack into your computer and <laughs> shut you down, steal your ID? I don't know. Yeah, but, don't. but on a serious note, I was just reading that in Asia, they now have hotels where you rent a room and the room comes with a sex robot. Do you, have you heard uh, anything yeah. about that? I mean, I've heard of these sex doll brothels in Barcelona, which actually got shut down. But yeah, um, I have heard of them. And, you know, I think about those and I think, well, that is a, a very physical release. That's less so I think about the real relationship and more a transactional experience for someone. Probably much like visiting a sex worker is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But safer for the sex worker, I guess, if they're using sex dolls yeah. instead. Um, but it's also safer for the the customer because I guess the sex dolls can be sanitized, can be sanitized yes. and cleaned, and yes. it should be safer for safe sex. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I'm sure the whole list of pros and cons is huge in both sides of the debate whether sex dolls or um, sex robots should be the part of our sex future. I guess. Yeah, you know, there's there's a big debate about it and, and there's very little cases to, you know, to really study it. And I think that's what needs to happen is these robots need to be put under, you know, study and, and, and do some more research and before we have these hard opinions on them. But there certainly is cause for concern as to whether this will exacerbate problems with sexuality and dysfunctions around sexuality or whether it will enhance it. And there's, you know, there's camps on both sides and I am still, you know, curious to learn more and more and to see the technology and see, see firsthand well, what, what's actually capable, what is it actually capable of doing. And, you know, my most recent experience with robotics is it's really clunky, you know. It's fascinating and there's a moment when the doll turns on and she, her eyes open and her, you know, she blinks her eyes and looks around and you think, oh, and the hairs go up on your arms and you think, oh my goodness, this, this could be something. But then, you know, she starts to falter or maybe a, a, an eyelid droops a bit and you start, oh no. You think, okay, no. Now you being the authority on the future of sex, when you talk about the future of sex, are you including sex robots in that future? Yes, I think absolutely any technology that's designed to enhance sexuality I'm talking about with the, the future of sex. And what I find interesting, even when I'm talking to manufacturers of the, the dolls and the robots is that, in fact, when we talk about the future and we really think about, well, where is all this going? And it, in fact, has nothing to do with technology and it has everything to do with being human. Mm -hmm. And it's about leaning towards more openness and less judgment and more accessibility for people that perhaps didn't have access to education or pleasure before. Um, but I always find that interesting that, that it's never about the technology. It's always about us. Mm -hmm. That's a very good angle. I love that because even um, men who I think who are purchasing those are uh, sex dolls today are ones who are lonely and perhaps can't have a regular mm. relationship for whatever reason. But why do you say just men? I'm sure women are going to want them as well. No, I, it's for sure. But I think mostly it's men at this moment because I think most of the robots that are made, from what I understand, are that's female right. robots. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be for sure available for women I as well. I think that's very sexist. Why can't they make male robots too? They do, but it depends on the demand, I guess. Wait, 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 I'm going to ask the expert here, Brian. <laughs> okay, tell ahead. me about the, why there's more female than male robots. 
because there's no, there really isn't a market demand for um, male sex robots. It's just not something that, and this is where we see the different technologies for, um, or sex tech for different genders comes out. You know, the market for sex dolls and sex robots is predominantly male dominated. There is one sex male sex doll, but the majority of people that are buying it are homosexual. So for women, you know, I also think there's sort of, we have a bit of a lag where we're just discovering our bodies and, you know, understanding what it means and what, you know, what the clitoris is and all these things that we didn't know about our bodies, you know, even 40 years ago. So I think there is a lag and the demand is really different. It's more about how do I, you know, experience pleasure and what is safe about that and what, what do I want and deciding about relationships. The male-dominated sex tech is a lot to do with efficiency. <laughs> how do I have an orgasm fastest? <laughs> how do I get one fastest and um, have another one? You know. So yeah, and I guess yeah, these, I guess the majority of the sex toy industry is focused on the female. I mean, you have so many choices for dildos, vibrators. I mean, we're working with Womanizer. <laughs> um, th- there's just the we have a love Sibian. Womanizer, by the way. <laughs> yes, we have a Sibian. I mean, there's just so much Alicia Sinclair and her cowgirl. There's just so much out there for women. So I guess it's okay for men to have robots. <laughs> oh, now you're conceding. It's all good. I'm okay for now. But, you know, I have, a funny, I have a funny question. You know, we're talking, you know, about sex robots and a single female or a single male. But do you think a sex robot would enhance a couple's um, intimacy or relationship in the same way you bring a toy in? Would that, you know, be less intrusive than bringing another person in for a threesome? I mean, potentially, doesn't it all depend on the person, doesn't it? And I think this is, as, as the more these technologies and these questions come out, whether it is technology or just about our sexuality, we realize how individual we all are and how comfortable we are, what spectrum we're on, really, in terms of our sexuality and our comfort around being monogamous or inviting another person in or polyamorous. And so with the doll, and I always get asked, you know, is sex with a robot cheating? Is it considered cheating? You know, I think that is such a such an individual question because some people consider watching porn cheating, whereas others consider, you know, it's something that they it's fun to do together. And I think the same will will come across eventually with robots. Is you know, is this a cool thing for us to do or not? And some people will be like, hell no, let me go join the campaign against sex robots. And others will be excited to do that. And can you program? And also, I mean, you can switch out the heads. <laughs> and you could probably switch out the body parts. So how fascinating would it be to to have that ability to have, and the personality, um, all at your fingertips. literal fingertips yeah. um, to change out any time you want. Now, there's an argument whether that will make us more shallow as humans, but I think yeah. if we keep recognizing, well, oh, this is a toy and this is a thing we could play with, it's kind of fun. And does the intellectual, the artificial intelligence in it um, allow you to program some things that you want, like fantasies, into them, or do they actually just behave on their own and learn on their own? Not fantasies yet, but yeah, the idea is that they get to know you and they learn you more. So that you know, if you put the app on the phone on your phone, it will scrape your phone to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. It will start. The more you talk to it, the more it learns. You know that you prefer pizza over hamburgers. Mm-hmm. 
that your favourite colour is red, that you should always, you know, wear these shoes to the office. And those sorts of things become learned behaviours that then they can pick up on more information and learn more about you. The one thing you can program is the personality. So if you would prefer this robot to be funny or shy, charming, cute, naughty, um, you can rate those on a scale of one to three. And maybe you want a funny for, you know, this morning and then you're <laughs> sick of a joke. Can, can I program it to always like anal sex? <laughs> I'm, I'm not think- sure that you can program the fantasy, the preferences, but there's got to, you can program it to be sexual or not. Oh. And so when we're doing the, the keynotes on stage with the robot, we take her out, we always turn the sexuality right down and just make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. So, Brian, <laughs> what, what do these sex robots cost? So, you know, down at the bottom end, they're $5,000. But really, if we're, we're talking real deal robots, you're going to look at upwards of $10,000 US for all the functionality. And, and that's just the beginning. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Very cool. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to remind everybody this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with the super beautiful and intelligent Brian Nicole, the CEO of Future of Sex. And we come back, we're going to look into busting some myths about virtual reality. Stay tuned. We'll Welcome to the Sexy Lifestyle Quickies. We are Carol and David. And with us today is Jeff Abraham from Promescent. So, Jeff, how important is it to have open communication with your partner about premature ejaculation and not just find excuses to cover up issues? I'll start by saying that I believe open, honest communication is a fundamental building block in any relationship, not just man, woman, or even sexually speaking, father, son, mother, daughter, friendship, business, anything. But the reason it's even more important with something like premature ejaculation is because if you're not lasting long enough to satisfy your partner, and it's unspoken, it will, it will literally create some resentment, resentment on the female partner's part because she's not receiving the satisfaction, and it will create a sense of shame or anxiety on the male partner, which will only exacerbate the condition. There's really nothing you can't overcome in a sexual relationship if you have you know, dialogue, if you have open, honest communication, you have dialogue. You know, as we've talked about in the past, this is a very common problem. And even healthy couples, there is an orgasm gap where a guy doesn't last as long as a female really requires. That's why there's so much extensive use of vibrators and foreplay and cunnilingus and everything else to really bridge that gap and make the, you know, the arousal gap much less. So by pretending something that actually exists doesn't exist causes shame on one partner's, you know, side and probably resentment on the other. And those two things will then transcend the bedroom and lead into other areas of life, which will probably cause a decrease in the frequency of intimacy, because if you're not getting pleasure from it, obviously you're not going to want to do it as, as often. So I believe that addressing it gives you the tools and the opportunity to overcome something. If you ignore it, the issue only becomes larger and then creates other issues. So you get to a point where you probably think you don't even have a good relationship on other accounts, which is basically due to a problem like this that you know starts in the bedroom. So that's why I believe that the communication issue is so key. And certainly talking about it and then finding the solution, like a product like Promiscent that can make love last longer, uh, if you didn't talk about it, you might not even know there was something out there that could help you. Yeah, how can you find a solution 
to a problem that you have not acknowledged? How can you find a solution and have a common ground to something that is like the proverbial elephant in the room that you both know is there, but you refuse to speak of? Yeah, absolutely. And when you have such a product that can last longer, like the Promiscent, then that's the solution you're looking for. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've grown and had the success we've had is we've taken this supposedly taboo subject and normalized it and have people realize that it's not something that's an issue that you're deficient or you have some you know psychological issue that it's in some cases just the way men and women are wired differently and this is something to help you overcome and get over that issue so again education is key to anything in life and communication is the key to having education because if you don't communicate you don't give yourself the chance to learn that there are certain things that you can do to cope with issues like this Fantastic, Jeff. Well, that was another great quickie. Thanks so much for being here. How can people find Promescent? I always tell people that the best way to find Promescent is to go to www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T. Because if you want to buy it at a retail store, you plug in your zip code. We have a whole network of independent pharmacies and like Target and stuff like that. It'll tell you the closest one to you. There's also some other sites to carry it. We carry it there. The cheapest place to always get Promescent is at Promescent.com. But the best place to start is there because it'll give you all the different options and you can figure out which one is the best for you for acquiring the product. Thanks so much, Jeff. We are Carol and David from the Sexy Lifestyle Quickies. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with Brian e. Cole, the CEO of Future of Sex. And now it's time for some sexy myth busting all about virtual reality. Each show, we invite our special expert guests to bust a few sexy, fun myths to help us filter through some of that misinformation that we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to topics related to sex and sexuality. Now, your expertise comes with the future of sex, so we're going to have some myths about virtual reality. You want to go first, David? Never. You always go first. Okay, here's the first myth. Virtual reality will replace real life. So... The experience we have now with high-end virtual reality, I think, is really fun. You know, it's kind of like being immersed in a video game. And there is, I think, a tendency for some people to want to stay in there for hours. Now, some other people feel nauseous and they don't feel well in there, but it is, it can be a completely virtual world and you can, you know, chat with people and it's, it is stimulating. I will give it that. But I think it's a stretch to say that it will replace real life because there are things that we crave as humans, specifically physical touch, that aren't yet replicated in VR. And maybe with the addition of haptic body suits, we'll be able to feel touch and we'll be able to feel when someone grazes our knee in virtual reality because we have this essentially a wetsuit on of, of full of sensors that could feel that. But for now, I don't think it will replace real life all real physical connection, and of course, real food. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I have a quick. I'm just going to go. Real cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beats real cocktail. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second, and I I know like go in the news it. now we're talking about sending um, people to Mars. Is virtual reality and even sex robots part of that um, mission where they're going to 
send devices that have virtual reality and robots to keep the astronauts or the travelers entertained or occupied? I think that's a really good idea. I mean, <laughs> I think that they should, especially with the VR headset. So when we think about, uh, you know, people going to space, there is actually very limited room at the moment to to put into those spaceships and I talk about this with some astronauts because I was fascinated about just sex in space and how does that happen when you're on when you're on a mission for years like you're probably going to get horny and want to have sex and so I think something like VR is a really good way to entertain and to stimulate people I don't know so much about the robot might take up a bit too much room but I think you're onto something there David with the the VR is the sort of the entertainment system. Absolutely. Sounds like a great idea. Okay, babe, go on to the next okay, one. Okay, here's another myth. Virtual reality is only for hardcore nerds. Well, I don't consider myself a hardcore <laughs> nerd, and the first time that I tried virtual reality, and again, high-end virtual reality, so this is with sensors and you know the most expensive headset, then I was also hooked. I was in and I was like, I can't wait to do this again. I think we think about virtual reality and think it's not that accessible to people at the moment, you know, especially in developing nations. It's not something that everyone has, just like um, smartphones are so prevalent now across the world. And I think eventually we'll get there in the next five years where people will use it. But the headset that you use now, you need to buy one for 10 or $20. It's not such an amazing experience, but it is something that you could have a go at on the low end and, and yeah, I think I think it is for many more people than the hardcore nerds. As soon as you try it, you'll know. Okay, my turn. So uh, virtual reality will affect people's ability to socialize and they'll become loners. <laughs> Look, this is my fear too. And this is my fear when I first started doing Future of Sex and found these guys creating the scent releases, the, the attachments to the VR is, well, we're never going to leave the house again. We're just going to sit on a couch with a bag of Doritos in our VR world. And I think when you start to use VR, you realize that it's actually very social. In fact, the best times are the social times when you're interacting with people from all across the world in this virtual space and able to see, you know, young kids and older people and have these fascinating discussions. It does turn out to be very social. The idea of sitting on the couch still kind of bothers me. I mean, it's kind of like video games and the sitting on the couch bit, and certainly there's some games like the Wii where there's motions and sensors and stuff, but I don't know. I just don't think I'd want to dance in VR or, like, I don't know, do anything too strenuous because... I might knock something over in the real world while oh, I'm right. doing it. Right, because you're immersed so in So maybe that. we will all get like fat asses. <laughs> Well, well, how about VR for the gym? You know, you take it with you in the yeah. gym and you have your trainer in your VR and you're working and you're sweating. I mean, you'd have to have a waterproof one, but I think that would work. That would be cool. I think it's going to, I think if it doesn't exist already, I think, I think you should make it. And I think people would just have to be, you know, I've heard about these VR theme parks where kind of creepily they're, they're in containers and rooms and you just go into the room and it's padded and yeah. <laughs> you just get your VR headset and run around. So it definitely, there is that capability. 
But it just kind of sounds sad, doesn't it? Yeah, I do. But I think it would be cool. Imagine, you know, we're home and we've been home for six weeks now and we love the beach. Imagine we both had a VR device and we go to our bedroom and we're going to fuck and we're going to have sex and we put it on and now we're in the south of France. We're in the naked city and yeah. we're with all these naked people and we're fucking on the beach, but we're really on our bed. <laughs> That'd be very cool. Certainly. That's awesome. I love that. As long as the VI headsets don't get in the way. Oh, right. You know? Well, we kind of clunky. Well, I'll do her doggy style, so you know <laughs> she could be leaning this, so they don't they don't bump each other. Well, we could we could be in a phone party, or we could be in an orgy, or we yeah. could be anywhere. Yeah, that sounds like a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, but then we'd need the robot too, because an orgy <laughs> would just be two of us. We need another <laughs> device. Okay. Well, love it's not it. for the hardcore nerds. Then maybe it's for us too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's another one. The virtual reality will steal all my data. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know about that. I mean, I think if we think about everything else that is holding our data at the moment, uh, we're not so concerned about that, or some of us are. But I think it probably has as likely a chance to be stealing our data as something like our email accounts and our phones, you know, and the security that's in them too. So... I think there's always a concern with technology and privacy, and we see that in everything um, across every technology. But I don't think that we should be focusing on that for virtual reality as a, a standout or a way to step away from it. And do you think virtual reality is just a fad or is it something that's going to be part of society like smartphones have now become? After having experienced it a couple of times now, I think I think it's got legs. But I was a skeptic at first, and I think on the low end stuff, it's kind of like, yeah, everyone's doing this because the cool kids are doing this. This is flavor of the month. But when you actually get into it and you look at the the deeper work that's being done, I definitely think the potential is there. It's just it's almost about the price now, right? So the price coming down for these high end headsets so that everyone can have them will mean more people are using it, will mean it's more fun to be on and will mean you know, will will it won't be a fad any longer. But it has taken a while. You know, it, it I feel like we've been talking about VR for like the last five or six years and it's going it's gonna blow up and it just hasn't made it yet. But I'm confident in after just you know having my own experience that it will hit at some point but it does have to gain that critical mass first and I feel like that's at least three years away. Now when TV first came out um, that many years ago I don't even know if it was 50 or 75 or how many years ago it was that everybody was such awe that you could bring the world into your living room and you could experience things that you will never actually ever see or touch in your life and that was definitely eye-opening and an awesome experience, I kind of feel that VR is going to be just like a 3D version of that kind of new uh, education that can come into your life and see things for real yourself that you might never, ever have a chance of doing otherwise. Yep. And I think I think this is a beautiful thing, like you were talking before about fantasies and being able to be in France or in an orgy or a phone party. And I think we're going to even surpass um, uh, our own ideas about what's possible and, and you know we create fantasies from the real world but what about fantasies about fucking the universe or you know turning into a stingray that has sex with another stingray wow. or you know what would it be like to fuck the ocean mm-hmm. and all these different things that are actually going to take us 
even further out, I think, into our imagination and our creativity. And those are really characteristics that make us so human, right? This is what a robot can't replicate, is our creativity, our imagination, our sense of mystery, our um, intuition, all these things that sort of will stretch us. And I think this is a really exciting thing about VR is it's going to continue to push us and make things that weren't possible even in this physical reality possible. Love it. What a great way to end another amazing segment of Sexy Myth Busting. Thanks so much for your expertise, Bryony. Oh, my pleasure. So great to be be talking to you guys. All right. We're going to ask you to hang on. We have our favorite part of the show coming right up. We're going to remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with Bryony Cole, the CEO of Future of Sex. And coming up next is our favorite segment, which is Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. This segment of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by the SDC Cuban Cruise. Feel the lifestyle vibe and explore places where yesterday lives today in a truly unique corner of the world. We'll head out from Miami and stop in Hemingway's hometown of Key West before we land in Cuba's capital, where we'll experience spicy Caribbean rhythms, vintage cars, and untouched beaches. Yes, and on this SDC cruise from December 4th to 11th, 2018, we're also going to visit Nassau, the Bahamas, and the private island of Coco Cay. Get ready to experience SDC's famous foam parties, deck parties, and erotic live shows, or simply savor all the sexy couples that SDC has to offer. We were with them on their Caribbean cruise, and it's definitely a trip not to miss. For more information about this trip or other events, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, Carol and David Page. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with Brian Nicole, CEO of Future of Sex. And now, like I said, it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters and we all deserve it. And we always talk about living happy, healthy and always horny. And we know how the advancements of technology have certainly helped us in the medical field. But it's not so obvious on how technology can help us in the realm of sexuality. So with Briny's help, let's discuss and take a look at the evolution of sex tech and the evolution of sex. And I love I love evolution. <laughs> you know, our new mm-hmm. website is all about creating a sexual evolution, and um, it's so great to have Bryony here, and she's going to be part of our village and um, the journey that we have coming forward. So, Bryony, let's just talk about you know what the future holds when it comes to enjoying that sexual pleasure. We earlier we talked about you know self pleasurement solo and partnered sex. So, what's coming in the future? Well, look, there is so much coming. We talked about sex robots and VR. I think the teledildonics, the connected toys for um, long-distance couples are becoming, in the close future, really, really, really popular and going to be used for more than what we see now, which is just um, predominantly webcam, really. Um, But as we become more digital nomads, as we roam the globes and as we engage in more long-distance relationships... These sorts of toys are a really fun way to just stay connected to your lover. So I think we're going to see a lot of that coming out. We've exhausted vibrator uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. innovation. 
<laughs> so, uh, and I think <laughs> I think that that's going to stay sort of pretty steady for the next little while. But things around connection and helping us feel more intimate with one another are becoming more important. So it could be, you know, teledildonics. It could just be um, communication, very focused to us, to our one another, and those sort of things are wearable. So. Um, whether it's a necklace or a ring or something that just you can um, press and it will vibrate with your lover wherever they are, is just a way of letting them know that you're thinking about them. So I think what's interesting about the way sex sex going for couples is it's a lot more focused on intimacy. Now, whether or not that works is a different story, but I think what we're seeing is the demand people feel, you know, in today's world, we spend so much time on screens where we're so connected to everyone and yet we're feeling so lonely and so disconnected. So there's a real craving for intimacy and intimacy with partners that I think we'll see emerge in the next couple of years. Cool. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, We were talking about Womanizer, who's one of our sponsors, and we're doing a lot with them. And Womanizer is a very different type of device. I'm assuming you've used it. What do you like best about it? Oh my gosh, I love that Womanizer gives the most intense orgasms that uh, I've ever had. I just want to throw out all my other vibrators after I use them. And my friend and I were joking and we were just like, I cannot believe that it took till 2018 to discover Womanizer because the clitoral stimulation is just so important and so important for so many women. And um, yeah, there cannot be enough good things said about that. And take a technology. second just to describe how it works and how it makes you feel. So there's, it's, a, it's using, I'm not going to be technical here, but the suction technology which goes over your clitoris mimics, for the most part, oral sex. And it's intense clitoral stimulation that you can, you know, vary from, depending on what you like, from very light to extremely intense. And I think... It's, it's like the best feeling for most women that are having sex, including myself. We need that when we're having penetrative sex anyway. And so this is just like, okay, zero to hero in 30 seconds. Absolutely. And it's Babe, my... what do you think about your womanizer? <laughs> zero to hero is a great way to put it. I love it. I think I'm going to steal that line. That's awesome. So we, we actually have the new Womanizer Premium, which we'll show to you at the Sex Expo in New York. Maybe you'll even bring her one. How well, maybe that? we'll bring her yeah. one. We know um, all our friends from um, Womanizer and WeVibe are going to be there because now they are the Wow Tech group, Sex Tech group. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were in Cap Dag with um, a bunch of people in the Naked City uh, in France, and we had womanizers out there with women who were doing sampling and testimonials at the pool. And every single one who tried one had an orgasm and said, I want one now. Yeah. I want one now. It's, it's like that, it's like that <laughs> toy that, that did, nobody knew about. And actually, we brought them yeah. uh, with us, and we had the few advanced uh, versions of it because it was not even on market just yet. So they couldn't even order it on Amazon or anything at the time when we had them. Mm-hmm. But it is available today. Mm-hmm. And how do you think it compares to the other sex toys you have? I know Carol, just it's, it's like everything else is on the side. Do, do you find it's very different? Yeah. I feel the same way. The only the only reason I would be reaching for another one at this point is if the charger ran out. <laughs> There's nothing like when the charger runs out. <laughs> You're like, no, come on. So when, um, yeah, so they all pale in comparison, really. 
Beautiful. All right, let's get back on t- subject here. That was just one of our sexy lifestyle quickies. Um, so now let's talk about introducing the next generation to the new sex tech. And, you know, how are we getting the message out there when people are spending so much time just watching porn? And you mentioned, you know, porn and education. We have a tendency to talk about porn as entertainment. Um, now we're talking about virtual reality and sex robots where it's becoming more educational. How do we tell people what to use, where and when? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big task. And let me tell you, this is a global task because anywhere I go in the world, people say they have the worst sex education. So I think what you guys are doing with Voice America is really important and your site and being able to direct people in a way because as we talked about before, for most people, yes, porn is entertainment, but it's also the default sex education. And what do we do? We type into Google how to and a lot of traffic for porn sites is um, directed from a how to, how to give a blowjob, how to do this. And I think we're lacking a central hub for all of this all of this education and usually when we go and seek more education or help or advice it's because we recognize that something's wrong rather than it being preventative and I think it would be amazing we're doing this for adults at the moment you're clearly doing this for adults but how amazing would it be to start teaching children at five years old simple concepts simple concepts around consent and pleasure and what that means so that when they do come of age they kind of have uh, a bit more of an idea about what's going on. You know, we had uh, Carrie Isham on our show, uh, Sex Ed 101, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she teaches sex ed to elementary school students from five years old all the way through high school. And not only does she teach the kids sex ed, she teaches the parents how to talk to their kids about sex and sexuality and relationships, everything from exactly what you just said, what the parts are called, that it's okay to touch them, not do not touch them. When a girl has her period, not, oh my God, you're going to get pregnant, but let's now explore the puberty and sexuality. But she said when she has her sex ed classes, every single kid is present. Nobody misses her classes. And then the kids go home and the parents come and most of them are, teach me more. She says she does have some parents is don't talk to my kids about that. But I guess that's a cultural thing that eventually will change. But absolutely, kids need to be taught this sex education from the youngest of ages. I spoke about Cindy Gallup earlier where she talked about, you know, manners being taught to kids. It's so important to start them young. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, is it uh, the Netherlands that's the most progressive that they start at like four years yeah. old? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. yeah, we've got to change this. And especially with all this new uh, stuff coming up, this new technology where we can learn in our own homes and in the privacy of our own homes uh, without having to, you know, turn to porn, we could actually find ways to learn real things and read uh, the right articles and watch the right videos uh, and learn something from it. That's just wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, all these things that we didn't have in our day, like growing up, sexting and revenge porn and like kind of the darker side of technology too, but the way kids are using technology today, you want to know like how to use that properly and like what is fun about sexting or how, how could you, you know, potentially conduct yourself? We don't have any education on that. We're barely covering the basics. And so I think there's so much, there's so much potential to change change the way we educate people about sex. 
for sure. In a sex positive way. Yes. All about sex positivity. Mm-hmm. Now let's just talk about disposable income. There's there's so many pieces of the world that are vying for our dollars, our, our valuable dollars, the ones we work really hard for that, you know, more and more is going towards taxes. And a lot of the sex toys and pleasure products and everything out there are becoming more premium and more expensive. And, you know, Carol and I were talking the other day about how could the millennials who are just struggling to own a house able to afford these sexual the premium sex toys sex toys like are they missing out on stuff are they or as are the 9.99 ones doing the job too mm, that's a really good a really good question and i think you know it's kind of it is kind of like anything else like in fashion and things you know we we start with the, the things that we can afford in the lower end models and as we get more curious hopefully then we allow ourselves to you know, try the more premium end products. But I do think there is going to be a drop in prices. Um, you know, for instance, Unbound as a company are trying to make very affordable sex toys that are made for millennials that are, you know, in their budget. And so I think there is there is probably a number of companies that are trying to do that at the moment that aren't going over the top with the bells and whistles and are keeping it pretty simple, but the technology inside that, that is pretty solid. I have, a, I have a new business model. Okay, what we're going to do is, you know, people get bored of their sex toys. We're going to take them back and we're going to like rent them or reuse, clean them, of course, yeah. sanitize them and let people buy those premium sex toys, but like secondhand uh-huh. and let them buy the new ones. Of course, nobody's going to give back their womanizer because that's a keeper for everyone. But what kind exactly. of business would that be? That's kind of fun. Rent, rent, a, rent a vibe. Rent a vibe. <laughs> rent a dildo. <laughs> That, that could that could be something. Well, listen, bring it up in your in your hackathon this weekend. Let's see if that's an option for people. All right, all right. I like this challenge. Beautiful. So, but you were saying before that the sex toy, the vibrator sex toys, are pretty much um, you know there's not not very much new innovation that's expected out there. But is there some new innovation that you can foresee that's going to actually help people's sex lives? Certainly, with that intimacy that you say is lacking. Do you see some things coming up that you want to share? You know, um, I see stuff every day and I think one of the most interesting things is um, there's nothing that's kind of new under the sun. You know, people are still trying to figure out how to communicate with their partner. Mm. And the biggest question that I get asked um, through my podcast from from listeners and stuff is, am I normal? Mm. You know, everyone is so concerned, whether it's 2018 or I think, you know, 1980, people just want to know if they're normal or not. And there's various different ways that we can answer that question. I don't think there is normal. I think that's the setting on a washing machine and that everyone's individual in their sexual flavors. But I think people are still looking for a sense of belonging and connection. And we're still trying to answer this. We're still trying to solve this through technology. Beyond beyond the efficiency of like getting better, more stronger, amazing orgasms, there is this, this thing around intimacy that we're still trying to solve for. And I uh, there is a big question mark whether that's going to be technology in the future, whether that will be VR or robots that will help us communicate better as better lovers. What I think I'd like to see is things like sex therapy be more accessible. Right. And so things like telemedicine and telehealth and where those services sort of reduce the costs of sex therapy and things that can be potentially transformative for people that have gone through trauma or want to explore different fantasies. I think 
those are the sorts of things that I'm excited about in the future and think, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing if it wasn't just, you know, couples that have been married for 15 years that were seeking help in their sex life seeing therapists, but people that were really struggling in their 20s or their 30s around their identity that had the means to be able to see a therapist and get professional help. No, absolutely. And when we can finally get rid of the shame that surrounds the topic of sex, so we actually can open up and speak openly to our partners or our friends and share experiences, real life experiences with other people, and not worry so mm-hmm. much about keeping everything to the bedroom, that communication mm-hmm. will help us as I think we're moving forward to a more sex positive society. Absolutely. But I like fingers and toes crossed. I like Bryony's expertise on VR and sex robots and the future of sex and you bring it all back down to regardless of what is out there in terms of evolution and future you still have to communicate with your partner you still have to make the time to balance time for sex relationships work and family you still need to talk and then you could have everything else part of your world but if you can't communicate and you can't balance and you can't have enough time and you can't release that stress in your life and you can't get enough sleep uh you know what it's not going to work <laughs> yep that's it it's all about being we're still humans at the end of the day yep the actual human experience is the thing that guides everybody here yeah So I think it's time for some final advice here. What would you say is going to be the biggest change that a couple should be ready for in the future with respect to sex tech in the bedroom? You know what? I'm not going to say anything mind-blowing. I think, and and it's probably what therapists say and what other people say, and it isn't profound. It's just something that I personally have experienced through my own personal journey and through interviewing hundreds of people too, and that's communication. Um, when we learn to communicate open and honestly about what we want and what we desire and do that with a partner, that's transformative. It's not rocket science, but it is really hard for most of us. And I can see how that could be transformative for some people who have no idea. I mean, I feel our relationship, my David and myself, we have a very evolved communication and that we know how to talk Mm. about it because we're very comfortable talking about sex and what we want and what we need. But that's what everybody has to look forward to. You have to try more and more and more to get that comfort level so you actually can can share with your partner what you need. And that's what's going to help us have a better sex life in the future. That's why we need to keep listening to your show. <laughs> Thank you. And that's why we need to bring on more and more people with Bryony's expertise to build our village and to, you know, help people know what they don't know. Yeah. So, Bryony, you guys are doing an amazing job. I feel very blessed to have been on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for your time and your information and your stories and everything that you have out there. Why don't you take a minute now to tell everyone how they can reach out to you, website, social media, podcast. Great. Yeah. So you can pretty much find me uh, under Future of Sex if you search that on the web. But the website is futureofsex.org. And on Twitter, I'm at Bryony Cole, B R Y O N Y C O L E. On Instagram, the same, and Future of Sex on Instagram. So if you look up any combination of Bryony and Future of Sex, you'll find me. That's guaranteed. That's wonderful. Fantastic. And, and what about the Sex Tech uh, Hackathon this weekend coming up? Great, yeah. So you can head to the website, futureofsex.org, and you will find a link there to the hackathon. It's on the event, right? You'll find all the details there. 
And I'm going to let you in on a secret. Um, my co-working space has sponsored some spots there for 60% off. So if you put the yard, T-H-E-Y-A-R-D, in, uh, you'll get a ticket for 60% off. Wow, excellent. Fantastic. All right. So um, like we did today, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic sexpert guests, and we hope you do too. Remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, the Carol and David page, and see all our amazing sexpert guests. Click on their link and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. A special thank you to Bryony Cole, the CEO of Future of Sex, and especially to you for listening. And remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. Use promo code 30314 for the first month free and check it out. Well, now it's time to tell you where we're going to be. We have some amazing trips coming up. Like we said, we're going to be at the Sex Expo, hopefully with Bryony in Brooklyn, New York, September 22nd to 23rd. And then in October, I can't wait, we're going to be heading back to Hedonism for Young Swingers Week, October 20 to 26th. That is sure going to be an amazing event. We were there in January, and it is spectacular. And then in December, we're going on the SDC Cuban cruise, leaving from Miami on board the luxury cruise ship to Cuba, December 4th to 11th. And in May next year, SDC will be hosting a hotel takeover, the Super Experience, at a brand new hotel in Cancun, Mexico. I can't wait for that one. And then what about Nadia and Orleans? We just got back. We are no longer the reigning king and queen, but we are the past king and queen. And we're going to be going back next year for Nadia and Orleans, July 24th to 28th, which is one of the largest sexual freedom conventions in the world. Uh, for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Now join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex and sexuality and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 